we turn to Acts 8, it's great to continue this theme. Isn't it a great series? To start the year looking at the book of Acts and the early church is incredible. So turn to Acts 8 this morning. I'd just like to say, on behalf of myself, Phil, Reuben, James and Heidi, um, just a huge thank you for welcoming us and making us feel really warm and welcome at Freedom Church. You know, last year was a... It's a really difficult year for us because we've always been in church, always involved in the life of the church. And last year we found ourselves and we just felt God had said a season was over. But you know when a season's over and then you don't know what's next. And we found ourselves here and we knew as a family that we needed to get planted in the local church. How many of us know that the local church is not only a good idea but it's God's idea? Yeah, to get your families planted is the best thing you can do in a local church. And I just really want to thank Tor and Chris and the rest of the eldership team for really welcoming us, for embracing us and making us feel warm. Because, you know, not all places do make you feel warm and welcome. And you guys did a great job. Okay, so we're going to read from Acts 8 this morning. I'm so excited to be bringing the word of God to us. I'm actually going to go back just slightly um, to read from verse uh, 4. And then we'll go across straight over to verse 26 after I've read that. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Isn't that amazing? He preached Christ to them. Not his opinion, not his version of any story or anything going on. He preached Christ to them to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Before I move on, isn't that an amazing mission statement for your church? Just, I mean, if you just look at that, the tormented set free. Don't you want to see the tormented, the depressed set free in the name of Jesus? The paralyzed and lame walking and great joy in the city. Do you believe it for your city? That there can be great joy for Liverpool? Okay, go straight over to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go forward toward the south along the road, which leads down to, sorry, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. It's incredible, isn't it? Somebody with authority is vulnerable. He recognises he has limited understanding and says, I I can't understand this, but I want to. And he calls Philip, and Philip (coughs) gets in that chariot. What an incredible opportunity. And he said he was led... He was led as a, as, a, sorry, as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptised? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. You know, for church leaders, it's a, it's a good thing, isn't it, to make sure that there's a declaration of faith. We, we spoke about that a couple of months ago. You know, before you baptise somebody in water, it's good to hear that declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. And he answered and said, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. How many of us do this morning? Yeah. yeah. Say, me too. Me too. Good. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptised him. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. May God bless his word this morning. So in Acts 8, we meet Philip. Now, Philip is sometimes called Philip the Evangelist. And Philip, we actually heard about Philip in Acts 6. And in Acts 6, we know that Philip, along with Stephen and a few others, were chosen, okay, to serve tables, to wait on tables. And here... After the scattering of the church in Jerusalem, Philip travels down to Samaria. And uh, Chris spoke last week, he explained it really well, that divide between the Jews and the Samaritans, that division um, that had gone on long ago. And during this time in Samaria, there is a spiritual revival. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that area. And the kingdom of darkness is being pushed out. I don't know about you, but I love seeing the light and life of Jesus Christ coming to individuals. It is a passion of mine. You can see it happen. When somebody receives Christ and they're serious in their faith, you can see literally the darkness going and the lightness coming in to either that person or a city or a place. And that city saw great joy. And let me tell you that fear, sickness, deliverance and freedom, sorry, not freedom yet, (laughs) sickness, has to go when the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes to a place and great freedom comes into lives. Is that true? Yeah? Whenever the name of Jesus is exalted and lifted up, whenever the Holy Spirit is welcomed, when he's welcomed, God turns up. He turns up in power. So I praise and worship, I believe, is so key to a move of God. And I don't just mean singing songs, although they can help us and they can facilitate and they can you know, lead us. But when a church gathers and is genuine in its expression and heart to lift up the name of Jesus, things start happening. Things start happening. 
And it's in the middle of this wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit where there's great momentum. Don't you just love momentum? I love that word, where things are happening. You're not having to strive. Things are just taking place in front of you. And that's what's happening in Samaria. There's another local expression of church being birthed. But it's at this point that God says to Philip, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Anyone experience desert? Spiritually, physically? (laughs) And so he arose and went. I wonder how many of us this morning would question God on that one. We're in the middle of a mighty move of God. The Holy Spirit is moving. There's momentum, great joy, signs and wonders. We're seeing things take place that we've been praying for for years. And God suddenly says, I'm calling you to the desert. But Lord, how can I be fruitful in the desert? How many of us would second guess that instruction? I want to encourage us this morning and just say, that God's instructions are never, ever wrong. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. His word by his spirit, he is never, ever wrong. God will never, ever lead us into a dead end. So the next time the enemy comes along and he tries to persuade you to think that this is going nowhere, you tell him that your life is hidden in Christ. And when God, let me just tell you this, when God moves you away from something that's great into something that doesn't appear as great, trust him. Follow him anyway. Rely on his faithfulness. Remain faith-filled, even in the desert. Because let me tell you, if God has led you into the desert, you can be sure that he's going to lead you out and through into your destiny in him. That's his promise for us as his people. For Philip, (laughs) this is incredible, being obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading led him not just to some person in the desert, but to a prominent Ethiopian eunuch who back in his nation had authority and influence. That's incredible. So while Samaria is having this big Explosion of the Holy Spirit, where multitudes are coming to faith, Philip means meets one person. Not multitudes, one. Person in the desert. He uses his opportunity. He preaches Christ to him. They even manage to find some water in the desert. Let me tell you, if you are in a desert place this morning, don't you think God can provide some water? Don't you think God can resource you even in the desert? Of course he can. And that chance meeting with that one man in the desert through Philip's obedience and leading of the Holy Spirit meant that this Ethiopian eunuch, now having received Jesus Christ, was going to go back to his nation, to the Ethiopians, and proclaim Jesus. 
The gospel was scattering. The gospel was spreading. What the enemy used for harm against the church of Jesus Christ, God was now using it for good. And the gospel was going out to the ends of the earth, even to Liverpool, England. Amen. Now we have to mention, don't we, Philip being transported away by the Spirit. I often ask the Lord, I say, Lord, I'm in a traffic jam. You can just do a Philip on me right now. That would be great. He hasn't yet. I'll let you know when that happens. (laughs) But Philip is caught. He's caught away by the Spirit. He's found in Azotus. And uh, this is incredible. As he's on his way to Samaria, he just carries on preaching the gospel. I think sometimes some of us were waiting just for some, some big light to say, now you need to do it, now you need to do it. You know, our whole lives... Every day, just need to preach the gospel. And you don't need a Sunday platform. Your platform can be a university campus. Your platform can be an office block. Your platform can be your street, your neighbour's home, your own family. I love this about Philip because we actually don't hear anything from Philip for another 20 years. We, I think it's in Acts 21 we, we come to hear about Philip again. But this is amazing because... After the scattering of the church in Jerusalem, Philip, he's he's part of this amazing move of God. He's making his way down to Caesarea and he settles in Caesarea. And it tells us that Philip has a home, a family, and he has four unmarried daughters, all who can prophesy. And I was thinking about this. I think, Lord, you're so good. Because here, here is a man who just started off as a servant in the local church. He's waiting on tables. He will, he's like, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. God then promotes him, as it were, to go and be this evangelist and to see incredible things happen. And then it's as if God just settles him. And God gives him children who walk in the fear of the Lord. I want to say to us this morning, especially families, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else God will take care of. God will take care of. Okay, this morning, I've got two things that I want to bring to us. Are you all okay? Yeah? Two things I really feel in my heart this morning. Yet some practical things as well. The first thing, the importance from this chapter this morning is being led by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul has much teaching on this. You can go and read Galatians, the whole flesh, spirit. Um, He's an excellent teacher. But he says something in Romans 8.14. And he says this, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are sons of God. I'll say that again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So when we are born again, I don't know what stage you are at this morning, but when we are born again, when we receive new life in Jesus Christ, that's just the beginning. Okay? We receive this new life in Jesus Christ. And at that point, the Spirit of God dwells in us. And it's beautiful. The Spirit of God that hovered on the waters at the start of creation comes and he breathes and he dwells within us and he takes up his home and residence in our lives. But that's just the beginning. You see, God's purpose is that now we belong to him. Now we are the church as it was for the early church. His purpose is that we mature 
and we grow to become more like Jesus. That is the ultimate purpose, that we become like Jesus. How many of us know that when we grow in the things of God, we become more effective in our service for the kingdom of God? But we cannot do this on our own. I think of the many times I've tried to do things in my own strength, in my own way, and I have failed miserably. We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. John 6 says this, and over the last few years, this has been just life to me. I love John 6. But Jesus says this, he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I grew up thinking the work of God was to roll your sleeves up and get on a kid's team. That's just the overflow of your love for God. But the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Later on, Jesus goes on and he says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The spirit gives life. So a good point, a good starting point to be led by the Holy Spirit is to Believe Jesus. It's to believe Jesus. Now, I didn't say believe in Jesus, although it's important to believe in Jesus. It's important to believe in his existence, of course. But we know the devil believes in Jesus. Most of our people around us who are not saved believe that Jesus existed at some point. Historically, the evidence is there. But it's important, if we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, that we believe Jesus, that we take him at his word, that we rely, that we stand, that we trust, that we love everything he says. And I say this with emphasis this morning because I've lived at a time where I've believed in Jesus. Sure, I believe in him, but I haven't really believed him. I could tell by the outworking of my life when it came to things like trust. I just couldn't quite trust him. But I tell you, once you have that revelation of believing Jesus, I believe Jesus, I believe what he says, things change in your life. We hear in the book of Acts with the Ethiopian unit this morning and Cornelius in Acts 10 in a few weeks' time. You know, these were good, God-fearing men. Very generous, very compassionate, but had yet to accept the message of the cross, had yet to come into a full revelation of Jesus Christ as Saviour. So being led by the Spirit starts by receiving, believing, trusting Jesus. Are you going to receive him this morning? Are you going to believe him this morning? Are you going to love Jesus this morning? And I say the entire gospel message because tragically, There are people, good people. You may live next door to some really great people. And if you ask them, do you believe in God? They would say, yeah, believe in God. But the minute you start going down the road of Jesus and the message of the cross, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, they're like, no, no, I won't go that far. John 6, in John 6, even some of the disciples turned away from Jesus. Well, it's quite a thing, isn't it? You're actually with Jesus. You're seeing him every day. You're working for him. You're around him. Even they walked away because 
feeding off Jesus' flesh and drinking Jesus' blood and living off Jesus as the bread of your life just got all too much for them. Jesus, the miracles, yes. But that commitment, that level of intimacy, it's just all just too much for me. Persecution, storms of life, tragedies of life. And I know there's been some tragedies in this church. They all reveal, don't they, what's really deep inside us. When When those things hit us, it reveals who we really are. It reveals who is leading us. Is the flesh leading us or is the Holy Spirit leading us? You know, Philip could have said, God, I need to stay in Samaria. He could have looked in a, with flesh eyes and said, God, the multitudes need me. It makes more sense to stay in Samaria. But how many of us know when you give your life to Christ, there is always more. There's always more to go on to. But unfortunately, the enemy, he likes to tell us there isn't. He likes to tell us that this is it. But there's more. I don't care how old you are this morning. I don't care if you feel that this is it for us. Let me tell you, it's a lie. While you've got breath in your lungs, God has a plan and a purpose for you on this earth for this time. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so Philip hears the Spirit and obeys the Spirit. I just want to say this morning that hearing and listening to the Holy Spirit is is a day-to-day thing. It's a day-to-day thing. It comes from having an intimate relationship with Jesus. I believe God wants to restore the intimacy back into his people. That love affair, that intimacy with who he is. It's a letting go of control in our own lives. It's it's that genuine cry of the heart. He must increase. He must increase. But I must decrease. I've messed up so many situations in my life. You know? And it's like, Esther Daniels, if you will just get out the way and let God take over so important that we stay connected to the Holy Spirit every day. Just being so practical this morning that, you know, some of you may be here and you're like, Esther, I know all that and I read all that. Do I need to read more, pray more? How do I really stay connected with the Holy Spirit? And I want to say to you something very, very simple this morning. Every morning, before you make that cup of tea or grab for the coffee maker, throw your hands in the air as a sign of surrender and yielding, and you say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here today. Holy Spirit, come and take the lead. I cannot live my life myself. I need your help. I want you. Come and comfort me today. Come and bring heaven's joy to my life today. Come and lead me. Come and be my voice today. Let me tell you, he does. Ask, open your mouth and ask him. And what happens is you'll be in a business meeting or you'll be in the school playground and suddenly you'll be asked a question. You know those awkward questions you're asked as Christians? And you suddenly come out with something. You think, where where did that come from? And then you'll remember back to 7 a.m. Oh yeah, I asked the Holy Spirit to come and be my voice today, to come and lead me and guide me. 
In November 2008, I had my second child, my second son, James. And um, we, we, um, we, we were with my father, who was a pastor of the Foundry Church in Witness at the time. And we had the uh, BBC Songs of Praise producer in our church. He, him and his family were a part of our church. And I remember one, one time after the Sunday morning service, he came to me and said, Esther, you've just given birth to James. Yeah, I have. He said... We, we can't find anybody to go on Songs of Praise to do a dedication service. Will you do it? <laughs> Will you bring the dedication forward and can we send the camera crews in to the church and in your home and come and do the service, come and do, you know, come and film you? And I, at the time, I just went, mm, yeah, okay. All right, when's it going to be? He said, in two weeks. <laughs> right, okay. So the two weeks came and um, I remember just a couple of days before the camera crew came to my home, I was just like so nervous. I mean, I wasn't sleeping the best anyway. I'd just had a cesarean section a couple of weeks before and I was tired out. And I just, I remember just throwing my arms in the air and saying, Holy Spirit, I mean, you know that baby brain? You know, and I'm like, I'm just not on the ball at the moment, but I really want to do this. And I said, Holy Spirit, you've got to take over. Please take over. When Pam Rhodes comes to my home and interviews me, you've got to take over. So the morning of the interview came, the camera crew all pulled up, the neighbours are all like, ooh, what's going on? BBC, you know, van pulls up and they come into the house and I'm so nervous, so nervous. And... The interview's happening, and Phil rings me on the way home, and he said, how did it go, honey? And I said, it was dreadful. I had that awkward, you know, that awkward, um, um, as you're answering questions, um, um, and I said, all that's going to come up on the interview is, um. (laughs) Anyway, the the day arrived, the Sunday evening arrived for the BBC, for the programme to be showed, Songs of Praise. And Phil had texted all around the business world, my wife's on telly. I'm like, why did you do that? This is going to be like, no. Texted everybody around. I had my family around, and I'm, I've got a huge family. Had my family around, and we're all sat in the living room. And I, I just can't watch myself. There's something, isn't there, about you know, watching yourself. I, I just can't do that. And so my head's just down. And moments coming for Pam Rhodes and me, we're having this conversation about how, how we bring up our children in the ways of the Lord. And I'm listening, and I can just feel like tears running down my cheeks. And my whole family, one by one, are like, this is amazing! And they, they left the home. And I said to Phil, I said, I've got to tell you something. I said, I did not say those things. I, I did not say those things. And Phil goes, what do you mean you didn't say those things? You said those things and it was great. And I said, Phil, I didn't say those things. Let me tell you, when I pondered over it, the Holy Spirit, Spirit used my mouth. Because I'm telling you now, in a supernatural way, because I did not say those things. There was not one erm on the recording. <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke through me. I give all glory to him this morning. And it was incredible, the feedback we got. Parents who said, you know what, I need to be more consistent in taking my kids to church. It was just incredible. God did something amazing. So the point is, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we say the right things. 
And when we are led by the Holy Spirit, oh, he's so excited and wonderful that he would even want to walk with any of us. But he does. And when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we are always in the right place at the right time. I think of Simeon, I mean, it's another preach, and I could go off on it, but I won't. Simeon in Luke 2, incredible. He's a man who loves God. He's led by the Holy Spirit. And he says, he's promised, God says, you will not die until your eyes have seen the Messiah. And so, one day, everyone say one day. There's a one day coming to people in this place today. One day, Simeon walks into the temple and there coming towards him, Mary and Joseph with eight-day-old baby Jesus. The right time, the right place. And Simeon scoops up baby Jesus and his eyes behold what hundreds failed to see. He beheld Jesus. Church, behold Jesus this morning. Behold him. And so because of Philip's obedience and listening to the Holy Spirit, I get excited about this. It's like a prime minister receiving Jesus Christ. Somebody influential, an Ethiopian eunuch, goes back to the Ethiopians and the gospel goes out. Incredible. What an adventure it is, church when we are led by the Holy Spirit. And then finally this morning, thanks Phil, if you want to come up. Finally this morning, what was the full message that Philip preached to the eunuch? This is my favourite bit, because I love preaching the gospel. I want us to turn us to Isaiah 53 to end this morning. I really feel that God wants to encourage us, build up our faith for this new week, as we... Grow to become more like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. I said to Jesus this morning, I said, Jesus, you are going to be exalted this morning in Liverpool. You are going to be exalted and lifted high this morning because there is no one like him. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Philip started where the unit began. Isaiah 53. I'll start in verse 7. Although I imagine... Philip went on to explain some other parts of Isaiah 53 too. But he said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. This is our Saviour of the world. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Who are they talking about, Philip? Philip, tell me, tell me, who are they talking about? Are they talking about some good man, some prophet? Who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the saviour of the world. Go over to verse 12 and just down a bit. He poured out his soul unto death. The life is in the blood. And the blood His blood was spilled out. He gave up his whole life unto death on the cross. He was numbered with the transgressors. The saviour of the world was hung on a tree next to common criminals. He was innocent. He hadn't done anything other than come to love the world 
and that includes you and me. He bore the sins of many. As he's on the cross, he says, Father, you know Esther Daniels, you know Simon, you know Kate, you know Tor. I don't want you to hold it against them. I want you to punish me in their place. I made intercession for the transgressors. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Flick back again. (laughs) And I couldn't end without saying this because I believe this is the full gospel. Verse 6, And by his stripes we are all healed. And by his stripes we are all healed. This is often referred to as the exchanged life passage. You can see why. Because our amazing King of glory, Jesus, stepped down and left all of heaven's glory to become like one of us, to give his life as a ransom, to take our punishment, our sin, and give us freedom, life, fullness, meaning. We've heard again this weekend, tragically, the death of another celebrity. It's tragic, church. A 40-year-old gorgeous woman, somebody's daughter, tragically gone. Shall I tell you why? Because we are never meant to be in the spotlight. Jesus Christ is meant to be in the spotlight of our lives. And as we give up ourselves for the sake of him, wow, It's hardly a price to pay because we get so much more in return. He gave up everything so that we could have life. So we come to love Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you need to go this morning and say, Jesus, I don't love you enough. And I don't mean that you've got to go reading more or praying more. I think we know as a church now that's not what we need to do. It's a surrendering of your heart. It's passionately saying, Jesus, I need a new, fresh revelation of who you are. What a wonderful gospel, church. What a wonderful saviour.